Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hi, everybody. This is The Mixed Experience, and I'm Heidi DeRoe, your host. This is a weekly podcast about a mixed chicks, mixed thoughts, about a mixed up world. And today we have a really great guest to talk about the mixed experience and her debut novel. I'm so excited to introduce you to this writer. But first, I do have a couple of quick announcements. I am teaching at uh, Jurassic, which is an artist colony in Northern California in February 2017. And it's a week-long workshop ideally suited for debut novelists, especially if you're writing about mixedness or social justice and change, that kind of thing. Um, We will be convening for a week, going over your manuscripts and also getting tips about the steps that you should take as you are trying to develop your career. So not just a book, but to actually have a career that is meaningful for you and um, makes you successful in what you're trying to do. So that's happening in February, but the applications are due soon. And now I'm not sure of the exact date. But if you go to my website, you can find those dates. But you should apply because I will be accepting people as they apply, uh, you know, as well as I can. So it could fill up before the deadline actually hits. So there's that. Also, I have this thing that I do, which is a labor of love. It's the Mixed Remix Festival. It's an all-volunteer 501c3 nonprofit arts organization We are going on our fourth year for 2017. We have some really great initiatives we're starting. We just started an online book club that meets online every month. Uh, We do a podcast to do the discussion, and we're also over on Goodreads. We'd love to have you join us in that uh, journey and read with us and think with us about stories about the mixed experience like we do here, but these are novels as opposed to individual stories. And also, uh, we're accepting submissions for writers, bloggers, speakers, performers, et cetera, et cetera, for the festival. You can find the link on the website, www.mixedremixed.org. So that's it for the announcements for today. Now, I am super excited to introduce you to someone who I didn't know, who became a student of mine, who became my friend, and now she joins me in being a published novelist. This is very exciting. So Ginger McKnight Shavers is a native of Dallas. She's a graduate of Georgetown School of Foreign Service and Harvard Law School. She was a Catherine Gerfein writing fellow at Sarah Lawrence College, and her debut novel, In the Heart of Texas, has just been released by She Writes Press. She currently blogs for the Huffington Post and the Text Patch, and she lives in Westchester County. New York with her husband, daughter, and an overweight West Highland Terrier. Uh, She's also just a super awesome and lovely person, and I'm glad to welcome her to the show today. Hi, Ginger. Hi, Heidi. Thanks for having me. (laughs) 
Okay, so I, I told you before the show there are no gotcha questions, but there is a traditional question that I ask first of every guest, which is, mm-hmm. what are you? Oh, what am I? Um, I suppose I I would say I'm kind of a regular black American woman, African American. Um, I I still am comfortable calling myself black. I'm not really sort of didactic about uh, whether I, I someone can call me African American or black or or whatever. But I, I come from sort of the traditional descendant of American slaves and slaveholders that sort of most of us from that background experience, uh, particularly from the southern U.S. Um, well, I, I, guess I think this is the perfect <laughs> answer. It, you, you could go on and on and on, I know, because it's such it's so mystifying when people ask me that. Like, or do they mean, am I a lawyer? Am I a lawyer I, in recovery? Am I, you know, <laughs> what exactly? And I exactly only probably question? answered in that way because of, um, your show where you where you talk about uh, or your podcast where you talk about the experiences of people who are uh, of mixed race or biracial um, or multiracial and uh, so I usually when people ask that question they're often asking about your ethnic identity or your racial identity so um, the, it, but it's kind of interesting that my assumption is that w- that's what you were asking I could also yeah. say I'm a recovering lawyer. I'm now finally proud to call myself a full-time writer. Uh, yes. I'm the mother of a 16-year-old. I'm uh, a wife. I'm I'm a Texan who has uh, survived living on the East Coast longer than I lived in Texas. Uh, all, all of the above. <laughs> well, okay, so I, I wanted to have you on the show because I love the book, In the Heart of Texas. It's just come out from She Writes Press. And for me, you know, when I read it, in, when it was in manuscript form as well, the thing I was struck most with was that it really is a story that is just now being told. And by that, I mean, it's an African-American woman's story, but it's a, it's complicated. I mean, her world is not just black. She, her, her the heart of her black world black. is very diverse. And, so I just maybe thought you could start off by telling us a little bit about your heroine, Joe, and what her inspiration was, what the inspiration for her was. Uh, sure. Uh, Joe is a 40-year-old uh, African-American actress, a Hollywood actress, um, kind of a B-list actress. She grew up in uh, West Texas, traditional African-American family, uh, a, a kind of a bougie family. Her father's a doctor. Her mother, uh, her mother's a teacher, and um, she's someone that I would characterize as someone who came of age probably around the same time, maybe shortly after I did in Texas, where she went to school with um, a pretty diverse group of people, or at least with other people of, of sort of Caucasian and, and Latino background. Um, She's been exposed to a lot, probably because her mom's an educator and they were able to, they at least had the means to expose her to a lot of things outside of her neighborhood in her West Texas town. Um, And she was a good student, so she was a voracious reader, uh, kind of a wanderer, 
as well as an extrovert. Um, so she found herself in acting, and she found acting to be her way out of West Texas. And she certainly left. I mean, she she left when she graduated from high school with a view not to come back other than to visit her family um, and lived in New York and L.A. And but I she think, makes a really um, interesting choice coming from that background, which is to go into the arts. I mean, she decides that she's going right. to be a serious actress. Um, is, is that one of those choices that you were struggling with on your own as you went to Harvard Law School, which is an okay yeah. law school, I guess. <laughs> but now you... <laughs> surprisingly, no, because, but, but primarily because I didn't have the talent. I mean, and I didn't know enough about pursuing a, a career as a writer, which was my talent, to just pursue that right out of the box. Um, mm-hmm. And I grew up with sort of traditional parents as well, both educators um and when i was growing up if you were if you were black kind of the way to make it was either to be a doctor a lawyer or an educator engineer or to work in in business generically (laughs) whatever that yeah um and i'm a i'm a product of the 80s i graduated from high school college and law school in the 80s and at the time it was a very sort of go-go professional um, get a degree, get a business card kind of culture. And I really just didn't have a lot of imagination about say I, I always had a strong interest in the arts. I always had a strong interest in literature and I was always a good writer. Um, but I thought to be an artist, you really had to be, you were a painter or you were a dancer and I wasn't a good enough dancer or you an actor. You were an actor. <laughs> Even though I just didn't have the, I, I'm um, what my daughter calls an introvert with extrovert tendencies, where she's an extrovert with introvert tendencies. So I, I just not one of those naturally extroverted people that can emote very well, you know, just on cue. Um, so I can do it on paper. And it was yes. really a long journey for me to get back to what my true love was, which is creative writing. And I I think at the time that I really started that the concept for this story starts to gel, there were a lot of people writing about lawyers. There were a lot of black authors writing about lawyers, and I really wanted to. I, I, I had a, a, I had a story about lawyers, and I put that away, and I just said that's kind of dull, and I really want to explore something different. I like to explore someone who is not inhibited, who's like me, whose experience I can really um, talk about because we've sort of been we've. We've been through the same time periods, the same family structure, but who is a very different type of person who made different choices. And that was exciting for me because I really get, could jump out of myself and be in someone's head. And it gave me a lot more freedom. Um, you, uh, Other than that we're both from Texas, you won't necessarily confuse me for Joe if you know me well. And It's uh, so interesting because I usually, I usually will do that with – my friends' books that I read, I kind of insert them if there's a character mm-hmm. at all like them. And as soon as I read your book, even in manuscript form, I, I was wondering who you would be. Like, I was imagining, was I going to spend a week <laughs> in the woods with a poor man's Halle Berry? I wasn't sure how that was going to go, even though, you know, I thought she was enjoyable and lovely. But I was trying to figure out, like, how did that woman actually write such a funny, um, insightful, like, 
very self-aware. She's a very self-aware character. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when we meet her, she's 41 years old. Yeah. Uh, has had some success, but is now basically on the outs with things. And uh, we meet her at the beginning of the book. I I kind of am a little at a loss of how much to say about the book, just because it's it's important not to know a lot of stuff going forward, because that's (laughs) the enjoyment of it. But we do meet Joe at her most broken, I think we can say, when she discovers suddenly that the man that she's been in love with really isn't getting a divorce, which then forces her into a series of events. Can we say more than that to make sure people still keep reading? Um, you, you can, you can, just because in in the reviews they 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 give away a little bit. Um, and I I don't think oh. it takes away from the story because it it happens so quickly. Um, it happens at the very beginning, but we, yeah, we I think have, it happens within the first forty pages. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> That she basically obliterates her life as she knows it in that moment, and um, goes is is basically shipped back to her mother in Texas, her mother and father in Texas, and that's where the story starts. Of how does she um, how does she start over? How does she regain her life um, that she wants to get back to? Does she regain her life that she wants to get back to in L.A. Um, and then I take it from there. It's funny. I am um, I I in the story. I probably see myself as more like her sister's character. Um, yeah. She has an older sister who's pretty close in age who made other choices. Her sister um, became a doctor. Her sister belongs to a sorority. Her sister continues kind of in their mother's mode. Um, I think we've described the mother who's no, who's ta- who's called mommy throughout the story. Um, mommy is a, is a former beauty queen who, um, pretty much rules the, the roost in their household. And, uh, but the sister has, has stayed home and raised a family and still takes care of the family while her, while the younger sister goes out and, um, um, sees the world and becomes an actress. Well, um, what I love about this is. I mean, maybe because it's something I think about in my own life right now, the the way in which this very uh, particular Southern upbringing created Joe. And, um, but there's something about her still being an outsider to that experience when she goes back, that right. she really is not able to to feel comfortable in her own skin there, even though, that's supposed to be her home space. Uh, that's right. I mean, I think she she's de- it's def- she's definitely a fish out of water, and I think she always was. And I think um, though there are hints that her family maybe early on tried to, to to push her into a more traditional path. I think there was the recognition among everyone that her personality or sense of curiosity and just made her different. Um, she was always different in that environment even though she was she grew up in it and um the leaving home going to school on the east coast becoming an actress living in hollywood is all part of that journey to find what's out there i mean i definitely think like i said she's a seeker she's always been looking for what that for kind of what's on the horizon and um edwards midland texas was just um 
I, I hate to use the, the, the term too small because it, it um, for her, but more so that she knew that there were other things that she couldn't experience in Midland that may be a more authentic, more authentic for who she is um, within herself. And she's definitely self-aware. I mean, she's she's an extrovert and she's compulsive. I mean, she yeah, um, <laughs> just to say the least, I mean, she just acts before she thinks. And that gets into gets her into a lot of trouble, but she does understand who she is, and I think that's the thing that really gave her the courage to believe, and not yeah. um, kind of do what everyone expected of her. And she continues to not do what everyone expects of her when she comes home. Um, and uh, I, I really enjoyed that because one, because I am some probably the more the more traditional person who sort of did everything that was expected of me, but was okay with that because it fit with my personality. I guess I wasn't very adventurous as a younger person. And, um, but the more I got to know myself and what my true strengths and loves were, that's what led me kind of away from my long years of legal practice into um, uh, writing. And I think for someone like me who did grow up in Texas, who grew up like her in being a little bit of a fish out of water, being one of the few um, African-Americans in her high school. I, too, was one of the few African-Americans at my school, kindergarten through 12. And and it, I think, and I, because I was a shyer kid, I was never really an outsider, but I was just not a, um, because I was quieter. I spent a lot of time just observing my environment, observing everyone around me. And that probably helped me as a writer, which is why I could write someone like her because um, I spent so much time observing rather than doing. She's a doer. Yes. Um, well, here's something that I think I have to hit on because it's a really important and engaging piece of the writing is it's funny. It's funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, we we have to say that, right? I mean, that's okay, yeah. right? Like, it's a, it's, no, it's a fun and maybe read and she's funny because it is funny. It's not it's not meant to be heavy. It's meant to be smart um, and different because it. Um, but it's definitely meant to be funny and a bit satirical about Hollywood, about Texas, about um, all aspects of her life. Really, um, yeah. I mean, I. I love her voice. I, I love her insights. I love, you know, I love that you mentioned Ovid and, you, you know, <laughs> Joyce in it. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it feels like, and you tell me what your influences might be, but it's like, it's Terry, it's a Terry McMillan uh, kind of book, which is to say it could be very different things because her writing also has changed a lot over mm-hmm. the years. And it kind of mixes in just a lot of stuff that we know is interconnected now. So, you know, there's this East Coast, Los Angeles, Texas nexus that African-American women are a part of. And, you know, as I think about your book, I think about some, like Natalie Bazile's book, Queen Sugar. Mm-hmm. And it really, it does a great job of making sure that the African-American experience here in America is it a diasporic experience right. as well? And and you add the funny to it, which is even better because, you know, the humor allows people to access the story in a different way. Mm-hmm. 
and I don't, is this a bad thing to say? I don't know because I'm thinking out loud, but it it universalizes it. I think in a lot of ways, like this should be a, a TV nice. show, <laughs> don't you think? It should be a TV I, show. Well, I I would love for it to be a TV show, but I I definitely <laughs> I found the actual humor uh, on paper. I when I try I tried to write a more serious, searing kind of story that. Um, I just found that my voice was more comfortable in humor and in satire. And it was a good vehicle for me to express probably the part of our, at least my experience as a, an African-American person that, that, that you don't see as often, which is, but which is prevalent, which is that we really are exposed to and we incorporate far wider references and then we're given sort of then you real then is always portrayed. Um, yes, exactly. What we read, what we watch, what our cultural influences are, we absorb all of it, and maybe even more so than other groups. Actually, I would I, I take that back. At least in in my era, maybe we did. I think with uh, in current culture, and the book probably re- is good for the current moment in that people younger than me are exposed to so much more and seek out so much more and their cultural references and general references just aren't confined to a narrow part of their experience that they alone walk through. And that's probably something that I was, that I've always been looking for in, in books that I read um, and stories that I don't always see when the protagonists are African-American. Um, you see wonderful depictions of what it is to be African-American, but um, not necessarily how we also, we're not just reacting to black life, let's put that in quotes, but we're reacting to everything around us. And um, that's something that I certainly do, and it just all kind of just came out (laughs) when I was telling the story, and she was the perfect vehicle for it because she lives in Hollywood, she's lived in various areas of the country and she's been exposed to a lot and, and her life is surrounded by a real diverse group of people. Um, She's, she's surrounded by so much diversity that she can't help but absorb it and make it part of her life and part of her story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think she's fabulous. I feel like we could say a little bit more about the story, but I think people just have to read it. It's it's super good. Like it's a it's oh, a book that you're gonna read like in one sitting. I was gonna say it's a beach read, but it's fall now. So sit by the fireplace or get get some hot chocolate and be in, like you're gonna be entertained by it in a smart way, which is what I loved about it. But I, I wanted to just change uh, tracks here and talk about. How did you get out? Because I think a lot of the people who listen to this podcast, like I was, uh, they're in jobs that, you know, are not necessarily satisfying their souls, and they're looking way, looking for a way to become a writer. Uh, how how did you do it? Because I feel like you took a really smart step by step process, and now you've arrived in this really wonderful way. So can you share some secrets? Um, sure. It was a really long process. I mean, I have a friend um, who probably 
attacked it much more deliberately than I did, and as a result, achieved the transition from he was a banker to to becoming a writer much quicker because he um, because of the changes he made in my life in his life. For me, and, and I can talk about that in a, in a second, but for me, it started with just initially cha- being uh, changing from working 80, 80 hours a week at a law firm <laughs> to, do something else, yes. to doing something that that just didn't require so much of my life and my soul. And um, and it takes a while. And uh, I finally, and I, I've, I've worked at a couple of law firms. I've worked at a couple of in-house legal jobs. Uh, I was an in-house lawyer for BET for a while. But eventually I made my way to an arts nonprofit which was great because I was around artists and could talk to them. And that was what I, an area I was interested in and hear their stories, but at least gave me more space to have a life and, um, and spend some time on, on, on writing. Um, what I found that for me, um, because I, um, when I made the transition, I had a child, a young child at home. Um, I, I do have a spouse who, was also working so that of course helped because there were two of us contributing and we had both been I had been working for a while so at least had some some savings backed up um, but what I found is that I was also faced with um, my parents getting older and having to mm-hmm. spend more time um, flying back and forth to Texas to take care of my family so um, my part-time, my my um, nonprofit job went to being a part-time nonprofit job, which <laughs> ended up being taking some time off to um, to fly back and forth and help out with my dad. Now during that time, and this is sort of advice, I made sure that I knew that I was not one of those people who was going to get up at five o'clock every morning and every morning like clockwork you know, work for three hours before the, the day started, before all the activities started in the house. If people are very disciplined and can do that, that's perfect. I couldn't. So I signed up for a writing workshop that met once a week at Sarah Lawrence College, which is near my house. And I made sure that I did the reading I was supposed to do and delivered the pages because you just have to, mm. you want to be a writer, you just have to write. And I, I hate write. that part of it, though. That's the hard part. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to write. And, but what I found is that be, being you know, like the consummate student, um, I, I will find a way to get it done. I would stay up until 2 in the morning a couple of nights. I'd, while waiting for my daughter at ballet, I would sit in the car and write notes or type up notes. I mean, just all kinds of stuff. You just kind of find a way. You have to – in times when you know that you're not going to be distracted, you might have to remove yourself from other people um, <laughs> and not sit and chat with like the other moms in the basement at Dancy to Harlem and go sit in the car and, and, you know, read your latest edits or something. But um, so that's how I started and that's how this became like a first draft. And um, how long did I, that take? That took a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, Easily, it took a couple of years, and then I won. Uh, I say two to three years. I won a fellowship at Sarah Lawrence. Um, Sarah Lawrence has a fellowship for non-matriculating students pursuing writing as a second career, and um, 
I won that. So that gave me a year of one-on-one instruction with the head of the graduate writing program there, which that was kind of the turning point where I was able to, at that time I wasn't working outside the home anymore because I'd been taking care of my parents and then taking care of my daughter. But um, um, I got probably a decent, really, really decent draft of the manuscript um, through going through that program. And then after that, that, that after that is actually really the hard part, getting it published. Um, oh, really? <laughs> that, that took me longer than actually writing the story. Now, I did multiple drafts in the interim, but um, you know, I'd meet an agent, I'd send them a draft, they'd give me comments, I'd send it back, and it was just a few years of that. And um, a lot of rejection or a lot of just people kind of stringing you along, they're not really sure what... Um, where, whether they can sell it, but by the same token, if they come up with a good idea, they don't want you to be out of the loop, and right. you just sort of have to be tenacious. So after a while, I actually, an opportunity came up to go to it with a smaller press, and I took that, um, rather than continuing the um, agent submission process. And unfortunately, that, my publisher didn't survive, but I found another small press, um, that had been started by someone I knew. And she told me, oh, we would love to publish your book. And so I was able to get uh, that publishing contract without an agent, without having to submit it by an agent or trying to find an agent. I'm so glad you shared this story because I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, once I write it, it's done. And then I just need to get it out there. And it's still a really long process. So what kept you going during all this time of rejection and being led on and, and lose, in fact, losing the opportunity with the initial press? Why did you keep going at this? I just could not write. And I really wanted to get, um, and the longer it took, I really wanted to, to, to keep going and keep writing. And I just didn't want to give up on the story that I really loved and that I I put so much of myself and so much energy into, and I just had a feeling that it was that it was um, that it was worth pursuing. And um, it's, it's I actually had this conversation with my teenager this weekend, and I told her now that the book has gotten some some really good reviews and it's been on a number of fall lists for a lot of publications and. Um, I told her I've been giddy about that, but I, I, when I sat back and thought about it, what I have to say I'm most proud of is that I just didn't give up on it when I really, in my gut, don't think anybody else that was close to me <laughs> believed believed in it. Not that they didn't believe in me, but they just thought, you know, I, no one could see that this was a real thing, I think, other than me. I think yes. Every, and kind of saw, oh, this is something she likes to do, and this is a great hobby, and hopefully it'll come to something. But no one really felt, I think, as passionately about it as I did. And the fact that I kept with it and I didn't give up is sort of what I'm really most proud of. Um, Me too. It's fantastic. (laughs) And it's getting great reviews. Like Red Book said that you expertly fuse politics, pop culture, and hot topics surrounding race to create one of the most rousingly inspiring reads of fall it's on the list of uh, must-reads from, I think, Bustle and Pop Sugar. Um, mm-hmm. 
it's just been released and people are finding it and they are of course loving it. So how, how are you dealing with this success and what's next? I, it, it, it just gives me, it just, it's, it's, it's great energy. That just gives me more energy to, to, to keep going and to keep writing. Um, yeah. I will say that I actually, I now have a part-time writing job, which is sort of my, in addition to writing books, I mean, I, um, I have a political writing job that I do part-time now that has come up this year. So it's kind of all finally starting to gel. Uh, But one thing, you'll laugh at this, um, I just got a review from the Library Journal. And what was interesting, and I always find it interesting what people, um, um, what they really point out and what they really, what resonates with them in the story. Yeah. they really describe the story as being the story of the challenges of an inter- interracial relationship, whereas I didn't really think that's the story. That's her Interesting. There's a relationship that she – well, she has multiple relationships, but this relationship, one of the, her relationships, um, it was something that was just an organic part of the story, and it just probably like, you know, like life itself. It just developed in that direction, and they really – that's what they talked about. <laughs> that they Interesting. Found that well, well, of course, you know, I recognize that as being pertinent to, you know, what I talk about on this show and, and you know, my own life's work. But I really thought the, the mixedness was Joe herself and her experience right. of, right. you know, living and being a part of all of these quote-unquote cultures that she's part of. Um, but I, I didn't see that review. I'll have to pull that. Uh, I'll say, after yeah. I get off. That's I, so interesting. I, that's what I focused on. It was her and really showing all of this stuff that's swirling around inside this woman that causes her to be who she is. And it comes right. from everywhere, uh, from her family, from her Texas roots, from her, her what she's read, what she's seen, what she's watched on television all her life. I mean, all of this stuff is influenced there. And that was really what the story was about and how she comes of age, kind of at middle age. Um, <laughs> but the thing is that's, that's what we're all doing, right? Like we're all coming of age at middle age now. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, well, Ginger, this this has been fantastic. I want everyone to go get this book, In the Heart of Texas. You can get it um, on Amazon. Um, it, you know, it's excellent. It's a fantastic read. You're going to love it. Also, uh, I am going to have the very wonderful opportunity of being in conversation with Ginger on November 15th in New York City at Blue Stockings Bookstore, and I believe it's at the time of 630? 630 or 7. It may be 630 or 7. Get there early, and then we'll we'll talk with you. Um, (laughs) We'll be there at 630, even if the show hasn't started. But we're going to be there so you can meet Ginger. Yeah, it'll be up on my website, too. So if you're in New York, we'd love to meet you. Um, Ginger is a fantastic reader. I had thought about asking her to read on air today, but you, she gives a good presentation, so you have to see her. You have to be there to experience the goodness. And I know she will have her bendy straw this time because I will have an I'll extra four. And my text <laughs> comes back when I read. So <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Ginger, thank you so much. Congratulations. I can't oh, wait to see you in just a few weeks. And um, I'm going to be out there making sure people get this book because it's really wonderful. And I'm so 
so proud of you. I don't think I could be proud of you, but but I am. Um, oh, that means a lot. It's so great. A fellow novelist now who's in recovery from being a lawyer, and you know we should start a whole new club of all of us together. <laughs> uh, it was great talking to you today. I will talk to you again real soon. My pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So it's Ginger and her book, In the Heart of Texas. You guys, really, it's very good. Okay, so I wasn't going to read this, but, you know, I did I did review it, too, because I got to read it in manuscript form and then also the final form. So this is what I have to say about the book. Funny, smart, and compulsively readable. She has a hit on her hands. Terry McMillan fans can rejoice that they can add another favorite writer to their list. Uh, Truly, you're really going to love this. Go get it. I love it. I love Ginger. And come see us on November 15th in New York City. It would be lovely to meet you. Okay, that's it for today. My name's Heidi DeRoe. This is The Mixed Experience. Back again next week with another novelist and uh, her new book. It's her second novel uh, coming out. It will be on Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. This is The Mixed Experience. Uh, It was great to talk to you guys today. Talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.